Good morning. All my early bird friends. Good morning, live stream. It is our class, and we are continuing on with part six of the Force of Joy. So we are going to go into that, go into the video, and then Pastor Brian will follow up with some teaching on that. And I hope that by now you've desired to choose to be a wanting nothing person. You've entered into the joy of the Lord and you walk and speak in joy. In this session, let's learn how to make it permanent, not just for a season, but as a lifestyle. Let's commit to everlasting joy in our everyday lives. An excellent memory scripture comes from Luke 10:20, where Jesus says to the disciples, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. If this teaching has impacted your life, if these messages and times together have improved your thinking, your speech, and your attitude, would you please send us a quick email? That's lifegroups at agapefaith.com. Here now is Pastor Whitfield with the last and final session of the force of joy encompassed in everlasting joy. Once again, guess what? I am so full of joy and so excited to be ministering to you about the force of joy. I know what joy will do for you. And you know, when David was faced with the situation that he was faced with with Bathsheba and he had committed adultery and then had her husband killed and then he's confronted by prophet and the prophet came to him and David realized that it was him who had been in the wrong and David fell on his face and said, Oh God, please forgive me. And then he said, God, would you restore unto me the joy of of my salvation. Would you restore it unto me? And then he said, and oh God, if you will restore the joy of your salvation unto me, then he said, I will teach transgressors your ways. <laughs> Glory to God. So you see the force of joy is not just about you. The force of joy is not just about me. The force of joy is not just so that we can walk in victory in our own lives, even though it does produce victory for us. The force of joy is not just so that you and I can, can, can uh, live a life of victory and know that we have a, a, a perimeter around us of God's grace and God's glory that will defend us, but yet it is a force that opens us up to share that joy with others so that transgressors will hear the good news and give their heart to the Lord. Jesus said, there is joy in heaven over one sinner giving their heart to him, over one sinner repenting. 
He said, there's joy in heaven. Then he told his disciples. His disciples came running to him one day. He had sent them out two by two and had given them authority over the power of the enemy. And they came back rejoicing. They came back full of joy that even Satan was subject to them in his name. And Jesus looked at them and said, yes, I've given you that authority. Yes, you have authority over the power of the enemy. He said, but don't rejoice because you've got authority over the power of the enemy. He said, rather rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, salvation is what we really should be full of joy about salvation is what causes that joy that I've been talking to you about in all of these sessions. Salvation is the reason that we walk in that force of joy. And salvation is not a feeling. Salvation is a choice. So I encourage you, have the joy of your salvation restored unto your life. And remember how joyful it is to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. And then go forth. The Bible also says in Psalms that they will return unto Zion with everlasting joy upon their heads. <laughs> Glory to God. And, and, and when I was reading that, the Spirit of the Lord just rose up in my spirit and prompted me. And that is, you know, there are all kinds of hats today in our world. There's baseball hats. There's, uh, I mean, there are the peel box. There are all kinds of peel box hats. There are all kinds of hats that people wear today. But the greatest hat that you could wear is the hat of everlasting joy. You've got everlasting joy in your heart and in your life. So choose to walk in it. And remember, as David said, Oh God, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And then I will teach transgressors your ways. I encourage you, go forth. Share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with everyone you come in contact with. Release that joy out of your heart and let the force of joy be a choice in your life that causes others to turn and to give their heart to the Lord. Glory, I've so enjoyed this time with you. I've enjoyed every session and I believe that you are going to walk in the force of joy like never before. Father, I release the joy of the Lord over every person and every individual. And I thank you, Father God, that we have everlasting joy upon all of our heads and that we will go forth with the joy of your salvation, teaching transgressors to know who you are in Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you. And always remember the, the force of joy is a choice for you. God bless you. I love you. And we'll see you again soon. The force of joy that's been in our life has been a driving force. And we want you to understand that what drives the force of joy is the joy of our salvation. One of the things Belinda and I found out at a very early age is letting people know about 
Jesus and who he is and what he's done for them. And that force of joy has taken us to 34 different nations doing mission trips, going to where people need to hear about the gospel. You know, one of the things that we found in third world countries and where we've traveled is that when people who have absolutely nothing, no, none of the, even their bare necessities, none of the, the household luxuries that we have, when you shared with them the life-changing joy of Jesus and who He is, we have seen that just transform and change people's lives. We've seen that move nations. We've seen that change cities and cultures. So when you talk about the force of joy in your life, we talk about showing people the love of Jesus. We talk about just, uh, you know, when, when, when we restore the joy of our salvation, salvation is what brings joy. You know, and those people that have nothing had so much to be joyful for. I'm, I'm reminded, you know, we're talking about some of Luke's stuff. And, and when Luke talked in, in later on in, in Luke 15, he talked about the three stories that Jesus told about the, the man and his sheep about the woman who lost a coin, and about the father and his son. And in each one of those stories, uh, when the sheep was gone, the man left 99 to find that one sheep, put him on his shoulders, carry him back, and then he said, rejoice with me. The joy that I have found that my son, my sheep, re the woman who lost the coin, she swept her entire house and said, I gotta find that coin. And when she found it, she told her neighbors, rejoice with me for I what once was lost is now found. Mm -hmm. And the joy that when the son came back, the father killed the fatted calf and they rejoiced in the joy of salvation. That's really talking about salvation. So when we We've gone into other countries when we've gone in and and told people about Jesus in those other countries and children and and young adults a, a great and wonderful thing happens when we do that you know when we do minister to children we are saving an entire life right. when a child chooses salvation they have their entire life ahead of them. So an entire life full of the force of joy. So that's why we love to focus on children on our mission trips. And that can turn our churches from repair oh, yeah. stations into just tune-up stations. Go in and get your tune-up so you can get back out into the highways and the byways and bring other people to joy of salvation. That's right. That joy of the salvation is what drives us to prepare children for life mm -hmm. instead of repair. So looking at the force of joy in our life, looking at the force, I remember when we first went on mission trips. I remember being in Mexico uh, on one of my first mission trips and, and sitting there saying, I want to go as far away from here as I can. I didn't want to have anything to do with that part of joy in my life at that time. And uh, one of our youth was going on a mission trip and we helped send her and support her. And when she came back, uh, they did a presentation at their youth organization or their missions organization. And I remember us standing out in a field under a lean-to tent and, and it's still emotional to us because they were doing their presentation about everything they had done while they went on their mission trip. And as they were singing their songs and doing this stuff, Belinda and I looked at each other with tears running down our face and we said, we've got to go. A year prior to that, I didn't want to do anything with missions or do anything sharing that. 
Well, as we begin to go, God began to show us that force of joy was driving, driven in us and driving us to go tell people about Jesus, to go. Now, just like we've been studying about David and, and things happened in David's life, that joy sometimes has to be motivated and moved. You've got to move through certain situations. Mm -hmm. I remember a trip previous that we were on in Mexico and we had a team of about 40 and we're driving in the hot Mexican desert, driving from El Paso down into Monterey. And it's very hot uh, in a bus and the air conditioning wasn't working. The smog was there, all the things and, and people were starting to feel very ill. And we drove into this city outside of Monterey and it started to, to, to really affect us. And we were doing an outside, many on the team were sick and we were doing an outside service in the park. And I knew in my heart, many lives were gonna be touched and saved that day. Uh, and the missionary came to us and said, well, everybody's feeling bad. If you just wanna not do this and just rest today, we driven all the way in. And I looked at him, I said, no. I had to say, no, there, there was a force of joy that was driving us to say, no, we came to do this. We're not gonna let the enemy steal it. We're not gonna let the enemy stop us. And we were able to minister that day, did three services in the park, and we were able to minister and we saw people come to the Lord. I remember a, a drunk, he was, he comes stumbling through the crowd, came up, everybody thought he was gonna cause trouble, but the spirit of God, touched him. He was saved. He got sobered and he walked away. And that town was like amazed at that situation. Yeah. He was actually known as the town drunk and people came and told us this whole story and our entire group got to hear right. it. Right. And the joy on the whole team's right. face when they knew that they offered salvation to this man and he accepted it and his entire life was changed. That's the power of the force of joy that is salvation in your life. That's the power of the force of joy that brings salvation to all people. See, our life on this earth isn't just, you say, Pastor Michael, you've been on mission trips, you've gone and visited countries. You know, your field, your mission field is your neighbor. It's, it's your friends. It's your coworkers. It's the gas station attendant. It's the person in the supermarket checkout. It's, it's the person in the cubicle next to you. It's while you're on the soccer field or the, the ballet class and the mothers are all sitting out there waiting on their children. That's your mission field. That's where the force of joy can be released in your life. So I'll challenge you to look for those ways. Look for those areas. Look where you can know where Psalms 35 verse 9 says, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord and show His salvation. That's a force that has driven us no matter where we go, no matter what circumstances we're in, no matter if we abound or be abased, no matter what we've done, that force of joy is what drives us. So as you look at your life, as you look at your family, as you look at where you're going, we ask that you would just let that force of joy, let the love of Jesus come forth and it will show the salvation of God to your friends, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to the people you hang around. Let that be a force of joy in your life.
Amen. Well, uh, Pastor Michael and Belinda that you just saw, they are in um, Kenya right now. They're full-time staff at Agape Faith Church with Pastor JB. But they're in Kenya right now with a group of 10 folks and Chris Lieb, if any of y'all know Chris, he's over there. And so just be lifting them up. And, um, you know, one of the things about joy that we've been looking at is that it's a choice. You know, joy... A lot of times you can have joy, but that doesn't mean that you choose to walk in it, right? Um, happiness is a choice, you know, but uh, it's, it's one of those things that you decide, I'm going to put on. This is part of what we've been talking about. But it's so important that we make that decision, and then we actually, you know, act on that decision because of this. Because what it's saying is that it shows people some things about God. You know, we've been talking about hope. Hope preaches. In other words, when we put on hope, it preaches, and we need to be able to give an account for the hope that is within us. Well, joy is the same way. And in Psalms 51, the verse he said, uh, Psalms 51, 12 through 13 says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So joy is a fruit of your salvation. Joy is something that you should be walking in all the time. You know, should you be rejoicing always or should you be rejoicing just when everything goes right? You know, always, always. It's, so if we're not walking in joy, it's uh, been talking about this more. If we're not walking in joy, it's more of a symptom that there's something spiritual that we're missing than it is that situations are bothering us. So you can look at it and you can use those things as symptoms to help you grow, but also what happens when you grow in joy. Uh, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So if you're saved, you have joy available. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. It says, King David had sinned by having an affair with Bathsheba, and then ordering the death of Uriah the Hittite. Although David had walked in God's favor previously and experienced great joy as a result, he knew he needed to repent. He longed for God's presence. Listen to this statement. He understood that God's presence equals joy. That God's presence equals joy. A heart of repentance was the key to the restoration process. And it says, discuss how God cannot resist a heart of true repentance. You know, one of the things that we need to realize is that if we're not walking in joy, if we're not walking in hope, if we're not walking in the fruit of the Spirit, then it's not God that's off. It's not the world that, that's doing all this stuff. It's us making a choice to either walk in it or not. And once we realize that, then it becomes our responsibility. It's actually our responsibility before we realize it. It becomes our responsibility then to repent for those things. Lord, I'm, you know, I hadn't been walking in this stuff. And when we come to the place of repentance, the word says in 1 John, he says, God is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us and remove all the transgressions from us. God's faithful. You know, it, so we need to be faithful to him. 
if he's given us certain things, then faithfulness to him. If God is faithful to forgive, that's part one. Part two is that we are faithful to God. We return that love that he gave. We return it by then walking out and, and living in the joy of the Lord. And because there's a purpose to it. You know, it says, upon restoration, David vowed to show transgressors the right way. How have we shown transgressors the right way? In other words, what that's talking about is we're in the world. Does somebody looking at you in your life say, man, they are so joyful. They're always smiling. They are so blessed, right? Or are they going, look at how they handle that problem. Mm, you know, I don't, I don't know that I want that. You know what? And then, you know, the devil's always good to, you know, point out, you know, they go to church. They go to church. You know, they're Christian, right? And so when we don't walk out these things in the love of God and receive and walk out everything that's in the salvation that God's given to us, it preaches one way or the other. It preaches. So I would question you with this. Are you walking out the joy of the Lord? Do people see you fretting and worried and concerned? Are you walking this stuff out, walking out the blessings and the salvation of God? It preaches to people. It speaks. There's more people watching you than what you know, always. There's more people. Um, one of the things, there's a friend of mine, uh, Alan and Terry Kreider, and uh, they, uh, I think it's uh, right on Tennessee border, I think, Tennessee, Georgia, I believe it is. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing that, but uh, I always see them at Brother Copeland's meetings, and several years ago, he had a uh, stroke, and I believe it was a brainstem stroke, I think is what it is. Is that even a thing? Yes, amen, good. <laughs> Thank you for our in-house nurse. So, <laughs> anyway... Uh, and not supposed to come back from this type of stroke. Uh, and he did. He lived. And it's, he's still recovering. Like they were, they were saying all kinds of bad stuff, like he wouldn't live. He, if he did, he wouldn't have function. He wouldn't walk. He wouldn't do everything. Well, he's walking around. He, he, uh, he's learning to speak again, doing all this stuff. And, you know, sometimes we want God to do everything right now. And I believe that we have a right to believe God for right now kind of miracles and stuff. But I don't know about you, but I've been believing stuff before, and I haven't seen it right now. That's not saying God didn't want me to have it right now. It's generally, it might have something to do with me. It might have something to do with timing. I'm not trying to answer that why question. But when we find ourselves in that situation, here's what happens. We have the chance to get discouraged. Let me put it this way. We have a choice. To get discouraged this past a few weeks ago you know a month or so ago when i was with him at the believers convention i walked up to him and i said i said pastor allen i said i just want to tell you something uh because here he is he i can see i've seen him at moments where it frustrates him to not be able to speak but yeah he's doing great he's doing so good but i've seen him at moments where he's you know, it frustrates, oh God, I just want to say this, you know, and, and uh, he wants to be mobile and fluid in his actions and everything. And I was able to walk up to him and I said, I just want to tell you something. I said, you bless me so much because I don't think I have ever seen you since I've known you over the last few years. And I didn't know him before, before he had the stroke. 
I said, you bless me so much because I don't think I've ever seen you without a smile on your face and praise on your lips. Walking in the joy of the Lord. And I just told him that just a few weeks ago. And then he was at the minister's conference with Pastor Tracy too. And um, just to be able to see him, it blesses me to watch him. His life is preaching joy to me. When most people would be mad and upset and fussing at God and everything else, and yet he's sitting there, I, don't, I cannot remember him not having a smile. I'll turn to you, he'll smile and just, you know, just the joy of the Lord. See, that joy is a choice. I, I guarantee you his restoration is connected to that joy as well. You know, that joy is leading him to the place of restoration. How is your joy being seen? Is it being seen correctly or incorrectly? I think all of us can have a piece where it's been, you know, it probably hadn't been correct all the time. Well, all right, so we recognize it, we move on. Let me love on God better from this point forward. You know, let's choose that joy. Not only do that, but a few weeks ago when we were talking about joy, but use that joy to dip down into the salvation of God and grab up what he has designed for us to have. Use that. That's why the devil fights joy. This is the kind of, the kind of stuff that he fights hope. Why? Because that way it takes away your answers. And it, and it piles up, and all of a sudden, you're feeling not feeling like joy, and then he can tell somebody, look at them, they're a Christian. When you're not feeling joyful, when you're not feeling happy. So we have to resist the devil in these things by saying, I don't care how I feel. Good, bad, indifference, who cares? I'm going to put on joy. It's a choice. It's a choice. Now, then in Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 20, it says, And the, 17, or the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And let me just point out this. If you are born again and your name is written in, in heaven, this is something we were talking about at the men's group this week is, do you not have something to rejoice for always? One of the things we were talking about is talking about being thankful. And, and that goes right along with rejoicing. And here's the thing. You know, if you look at our time here on earth and then you look at eternity, right? Well, you know, in eternity, we could have been either in heaven or in hell, eternal damnation, eternal separation from God, torture, gnashing of teeth, all that bad stuff for eternity, right? But we're not. Our names are written, if we've received Christ, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's something to rejoice over. And, and what we were talking about is, even if this period of this vapor of time called your life on this earth, even if it just sucked, right? That's still worthy because we have an eternity that we're not sucking it, right? We got this, we got this peace. Even, I mean, anything above going to hell is worthy of rejoicing over 
And our lives are much better than that. I mean, our lives, even in this vapor, let's say that this vapor was literally just a hell, right? It's, I feel like I just cussed in church. Um, even if that vapor of time, our life was just a hell on earth, that's still better than being there for eternity. But it's not. You know, we're so, we're so blessed here in America. We think the bad stuff, what we think is bad, they think is royalty in other con- countries. It really is. We, we got to find the rejoicing. We need to rejoice more. We need to be thankful more and stand up in the things that God has provided and given to us. And just think about that. Think about that. Anything Greater than going to hell, man, that's bonus. We're anything bigger and better than that, we're in the bonus area. We're in the bonus time. I mean, and it's like, praise God. I mean, the fact that you are sitting here and have your health, bonus time. I mean, bonus time, yay, right? We're in the bonus realm. Anything above hell, greater than that, bonus, bonus time. I mean, it's awesome. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If so, then the force of joy is yours to usher in to many others' lives. The force of joy is yours to bring about and show people and to give to people and let them have a piece of it. They need joy. People need joy. Even people in the church, they need joy. You know, a lot of times we don't, we don't look to them. But everybody around you, we can help bring more and more joy to. But what, how we do that is we ourselves live lives of that joy. We recognize what Christ has given us. We honor. We esteem it. We make a choice to put it on. And then we walk it out. Amen. So walk out the force of joy in your life and watch it change everything. Change your thinking to to a mindset of joy. Change your thoughts to be joyful. Rejoice always. Be thankful always. Be in constant rejoicing and watch how the joy of the Lord will change everything. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just thank you so much for your joy. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you, we love you, we thank you. We ask you to bless this morning, and we thank you for showing up here in this class, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.